0: The first family, Adam and Eve, their kids murdered each other. Um, So, when you think about it, in God's infinite wisdom, He showed us through the stories in the Bible of family that they're not perfect. Because if they were perfect, we couldn't obtain that. And when we see that they had frailties, we see they had problems, we see they had derision among the family members, you understand better that God is still there and there's always a way to get to God. But as I looked for a family that was really uplifting and, and a really great family, I, I came to one right away. It's Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. What, what better symbol of family is that? And I, you know, I tongue-in-cheek titled this sermon The Holy Family because in Catholicism, they've raised this family up to be much greater than they were. They're, they're beyond human. They're, they're superhuman. And in fact, the, the Catholic Church here in town is called Holy Family, and you'll find a Catholic churches throughout the country called Holy Family. But they're, they're not. They were they were regular human beings. But what made them different was they did two things that will always keep a family solid and will always keep a family going forward. They followed the word of God and they put the members of the family before themselves. They put the interests of the others before themselves. So we're going to take a look at this family, you know, one member at a time. First of all, we'll look at Mary and before the emails start, before the phone calls start, that this crazy ex-Catholic got up here and started talking about Mary, I want to be perfectly clear that Mary is dead. She's in her grave waiting to see the face of Jesus like everybody else. And But what we do is because what the Catholics do, they, they hold her up to be a deity, we kind of turn our back on, on Mary a little bit, and I think that's kind of a disservice to her. You want to get Adventist nervous, start talking about Mary a lot. And if I got up here and said, let's talk about Ruth or let's talk about Esther, we'd all be happy and fine with that. But, but Mary had a great, great impact, and, and she was a fine woman. And imagine when she opens her eyes, she's going to see the face of Jesus that she knew from infancy. Now... First, got to take a look at Mary. Mary was a young girl, mid-teens, in a, in a town of Nazareth. You have to understand, historically, Galilee was like the Ozarks, it was like the Appalachian Mountains in, in the world of, of, of the Jews at the time. It, it was nowhere, and Nazareth was the least of the towns there, and she really kind of had her life going on. She was a, a young girl. She found a fine man in Joseph. They were engaged to be married. Everything you'd want as a young girl at her time was her life was set. And that, there's another lesson there is sometimes we think our life is set. God's going to come and turn it a different direction. Now, she was engaged to Joseph at the time. And to be engaged at that time was to be a slave for a woman. Because she would have to spend a year showing what a good wife would be and go there every day and clean his house and take care of him. And this went on for a year. And at the end of the year, they would get married. The last thing on earth that Mary dreamt was that she, um, Angel of the Lord come and ask her what was asked of her. But we look at um Luke 129, 128, says the angel said to her, Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now this angel comes out of nowhere, talks to Mary, and Mary says, You know, if you came to say, you know, greetings, Bob, you're highly favored, the Lord is with you, I'd say, Hey, you know, I'm highly favored, great. But Mary didn't react that way, and it kind of shows her humility. If you look at 129, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Again, her life was set. Here's this angel of the Lord saying, you know, in her face saying, you know, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she's concerned about what it is. So the Lord proceeds to tell her that you are going to bear the Son of God. You're going to bear God himself. And you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. So what, what does Mary do? Her question, and if you look back at the Bible, too, where, where God approached people, remember Moses? No, not me. You got the wrong guy, Lord. Or, um, or Gideon. or Throughout the whole Bible, God approached people for much lesser tasks. And they, they didn't want to do it, but they were nervous. But Mary's question was practical. In verse 34, she says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I, how could I bear, bear God's son? Well, the Lord explains her that, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of this. You're, you're going to be pregnant with a, with a Son of God, and you're going to have the Son of God as your child. And instead of arguing, instead of saying, I'm, I'm uh, engaged to be married, it's going to be kind of a problem for me to be pregnant now. Um, she says, <laughs> you know, She says the following in 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said then the angel left her she just accepted it she accepted god's will now that did create a little bit of a problem in her world to be engaged to be married and to be pregnant not uh, be prior to being married was not a good thing and but she accepted the lord's will and she was she was uh, engaged to joseph now let's talk about joseph we don't know a lot about him we do know that he was a carpenter his life was set as well. Think about it. He had a good woman. He, had a, he was gainfully employed as a carpenter. Things were set. And then his fiance comes to him and says, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant and it's by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew addresses it, but he knew two things. Joseph knew two things. She was pregnant and he's not the father. So what kind of man is Joseph? And again, think about this approach or think about what you could do. Joseph could have done many things under Jewish law at that time. He could have grabbed her by the hair, dragged her to the village square and had her stoned for adultery. He could have easily made a big scene of the divorce and to clear his name. But instead, he doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he has, as we look at Matthew 19, because husband Joseph was a righteous man, and did not want exposure to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But here's another great thing we can see about family and about how, how we acted as family members. He was the victim. He was d- dreadfully wronged in his mind, yet even as a victim, he put her interests above his own. He didn't want to embarrass her or disgrace her. And there's another great there, too. Although it was... In- Incredibly apparent to Joseph that he was a victim, he wasn't. And when we look at our lives, sometimes we, we whine about being victims, and we whine about how the members of our family have wronged us. Maybe we're not the victim, and maybe it's all part of a bigger plan than you understand. But he knew what to do, and he put her first. But then again, Joseph had the say, was in tune with the Lord. And the angel said to Joseph, in his dream, an angel came to Joseph and said, this is the—she is impregnated by the Holy Spirit. This is the will of God. I need you to do this thing. You know, God needs you to do this thing for us. And Matthew, in verse 22, touches on something that Joseph is a godly man and Mary, as a godly woman, would have known, and it all made sense to them. Verse 22 and 23, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So now Joseph wakes up from his dream, doesn't ask a lot of questions, because, mind you, again, they've got this whole thing out of sequence now. Mary's pregnant, and they're not married yet. So this, son, this family and their society is going to be held in shame. Yet Joseph doesn't even argue, doesn't plead with God, you know, fix it, make my life better. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home, took Mary home as his wife. So, again, we see that being in tune with God and keep, keeping yourself out of the picture is really the way a family should work. And I think this family is such an incredible example of what a family does. And if you think about what they did, there's, there's a couple factors that really made this family great they were not selfish. They, did, they followed the will of God and they did not put their interests above the other members of their family. And I think the message there is loud and clear in our day and age is look, if, if you look around your family and you see yourself as a victim and you see the other people in your family as, as doing you wrong and you you find, you find yourself in that state of mind, that's not a godly way to look at the, at life. What God wants you to do is all found in this book. And if you Keep your nose in this book and your eyes off yourself and your self-interest. Your family life will be far better.